Hey there, and welcome to the One Church Podcast. This message was recorded live at one of our services. If you'd like to know more about life at One Church, visit us online at weareone.church or check us out on social media. Ah, uh, it is so good to be here today. Like Anna's already said, this is a kids all in Sunday. So we are well ready for uh, the kids doing what they need to do in this service. We want them to feel part of things. In fact, today's message is all about feet. And so there is loads of feet related activities uh, for those guys to get uh, involved with um, at, during the service today. But how's your week been? Have you been good? Are you having a good week? How good has the service been so far? Very good. Well, I think better than that, to be honest with you. Uh, But I I want to encourage you today. Some Sundays I get to give really, uh, like, uh, fun words, right? We get to preach really fun messages and stuff like that. And this one isn't. Sometimes I'm talking about riding exercise bikes and sometimes I'm going to talk about some things that are a little bit more difficult. And I just want to encourage you today as we get into God's word... Jesus tells this story about how um, the sower goes to sow the seed and actually the seed has every part of its potential is fully formed within that seed. The difference is where the seed lands. And I want to encourage you today as we go into this word uh, this morning that we don't uh, hold back from being the good soil that the seed wants to land in today. So that's up to you how you receive the word that God has for you today. So let's pray and then we'll get into uh, the message this morning. Father God, we just, we just say uh, we want to be good soil this morning. We want to be people receiving the word that you're going to speak over us this morning, God, because we believe that you have our best first. And God, we trust you with your word today and we soften our hearts before you today and say, God, come and say what you want to say. And if you believe it, why don't you go ahead and say amen? Ah, awesome. Now, have you ever overreacted? I have just watched a series of elbows go up across the room as uh, husbands and wives and siblings have gone, that's you, you overreact all the time. Have you ever overreacted? Now this might surprise some of you, but actually I have a real skill for overreacting. I know that shocks you. My sister's like rolling her eyes back there today, but I might know that might shock you, but I have a real skill for overreacting. And in fact, as I was prepping this message, I had sent a text message to like our family chat uh, saying, I'm preaching next week and I need some ideas about times when I've overreacted. Can you help me? With which I just was like, vroom, 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 as all these messages started flooding in about all these occasions where I'd massively overreacted and I was like I'm going to overreact on this this is like too much guys you've just really offended me and uh, and uh, one in particular that will probably be the best one uh, that will go down in history 
And that is uh, just after me and Liam got engaged, which is an exciting time of your life, isn't it? And it's an exciting moment where uh, you start to make all these plans and stuff and you're excited because you're going to get married and all those sorts of things. Apart from the fact the plans for the wet wedding venue that we were trying to book was just way more complicated than it needed to be and it came to the point where I was in my parents kitchen and I was like I just can't do it anymore I don't know what to do I don't even know if I want to marry him anymore and I lay on my parents kitchen floor going I don't know what to do I massively 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 overreacted to the astonishment not of all my family as I lay on that floor but we've all had those kitchen floor moments we've all had those moments uh, where you're faced with difficult people difficult circumstance difficult situations uh, and we've all faced those things I wonder what kind of person you are uh, when you're reacting in certain situations are you like that firework that once you walk into the room everybody's like take cover fire in the hole as you walk in the room because they're like if this topic comes up they are gonna flip their lids you know the, the are you one of those people or are you like a, a real grudge holder where little johnny stole your pencil in year two and you still remember and you're 92 today you know what I'm saying? Those kind of people that just hold a grudge. And I know there's some people in the room like that because I am one of those people. Uh, or are you like the bubble boy where you walk around in different situations with a big bubble around you trying not to get too close to people because if I get too close to people, they might just make me pop because you don't want to get hurt. What kind of uh, reactions do you have? You see, the truth is... Our reactions really matter. Dr. Caroline Leaf, who's a psychologist, says this. Research shows when a person has a reaction to something, there's a 90-second chemical process that happens in the body. After that, any remaining emotional response is just the person choosing to stay in that emotional loop. The story we create from those emotions is what sticks. You see, our response is our responsibility. Our response is our responsibility. In any circumstance, we have a choice. When we're faced with a crisis, when we're faced with a challenging circumstance, when we're faced with a difficult character, we always have a choice of how we respond. And I think most people would respond in one of three ways. The first being to become a victim of the world and just to give up to stand against the world and to fight it or uh, to participate in the world and just give in but in the kingdom of God I believe that there is a fourth way in the kingdom of God there is always a fourth option and that is we get to serve we get to serve and in John 13, and I'll give you a bit of context to this story, we see a moment where Jesus chooses a reaction that is counter what the rest of the room would have chosen. And I want to give you context to this story because this is the last 24 hours that Jesus was living. It was the last 24 hours before he was about to go to the cross and he knew what was going to happen and he chose to have dinner 
with his friends. He gathered them together in one place and they were celebrating Passover, which was a festival at the time. And they were celebrating together and, and they were spending time together and uh, breaking bread and doing all those things uh, that they would have done at this festival. And he's got 24 hours left. And do you know what the disciples decided to do in that moment? They had an argument about who was the greatest. It's his last day. And I can imagine if I was Jesus, I'd have just been like, pour me another drink. I'd have just been like really frustrated or I might have got really angry with the people in the room going, what do you not understand? You're arguing about who's the greatest and I'm about to die. I'd have absolutely lost it. But you know, Jesus, he chooses a different option. He chooses a different option. He's in a room full of people that he's been discipling, one of which is about to doubt him, one of which is about to deny him, and one of which is about to betray him. And Jesus still chooses in that moment, in the most difficult of circumstances, he chooses purpose, he chooses community, and he chooses a bowl, a towel, and some dirty feet. He chooses a bowl, some towels, and a dirty feet. It says this in verse 3 of John 13. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Jesus chooses to serve. Jesus chooses the fourth option. And do you know why that is? Because Jesus, knowing who he was, was able to choose a bowl, a towel, and some dirty feet. And if we're going to be a people that learn to choose the fourth option, if we're going to learn to be people who choose to serve at all times and in all ways, not just in the church building, but the people outside of this building, in your world, the difficult people around us, when the world is wrestling and, and, and messed up in community and we've got people falling out and all these different fractures in our community, uh, what we really need is a bunch of people that choose the fourth option in those circumstances where the world might choose to react one way, to give up, to give in and just take part. We are going to choose the fourth option and the fourth option is that we are going to choose to serve. We are going to choose to be a people who serve but it's says Jesus knowing who he was. For us to really know how to serve one another, to know how to serve a broken and a hurting community, we have to first know who we are in Jesus. We need to know who we are. It says, it, it says Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. You see, he knew who he was. He knew who he was. So I ask us the question today, and we need to ask ourselves this question today. Do we know who we are in God? Church online, do we know who we are in God? Because once we begin to understand fully the expanse to which we are in God, we will find it much easier to choose the fourth option. That was the secret that Jesus had here. And I believe that Jesus wants to tend to our dirty feet today.
that he wants to bend his knee before us just as he did the disciples and tend to our dirty feet today so that we are ready to be carriers of this good news, so that we are ready to be a people who are going to serve and serve well. But to help us understand a little further how we can know who we are in God and how we can uh, allow God to serve us before we serve others, we're going to learn from the story of a guy called Naaman. A guy called Naaman and in uh, 2 Kings uh, chapter 5, because the truth is this, we all have a little Naaman streak in all of us. And as we read through this story today, uh, we will discover that, yes, we do, in fact, have a little Naaman streak in all of us. So let's go to 2 Kings uh, chapter 5. And from verse 5, it says this. Now, Naaman was a commander of the army of the king of Aram. He was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded because through him, the Lord had given victory to Aram. He was a valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. He had leprosy. You see, Naaman, he was strong. And it says about him that he was valiant. It says about him that he had seen many victories uh, take place. He'd seen God use him for many victories. He was a valiant man, but Naaman had a problem. A problem that made him uncomfortable to be around. A problem that made him unable to uh, take part in community the rest of uh, the world was able to. You see, Naaman had a problem. In society today, we have some problems. We all have problems and they can have an effect on people and our relationships and all, all the stuff around us more than we might like to think. You see, sometimes our problems aren't as private as we think they are. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You think you've got it all under control, but then. You, you think you've got that anger problem under control, but then. Uh, you think you dealt with that childhood trauma, uh, but then. Uh, we think that this new relationship will fulfill your desire to be loved, but then. You see, we all have problems that we face. And, and our problems are never as private as we think they are. And we've got to get good at dealing with our problems the way that God would have us deal with them because otherwise what happens is is we have a bunch of people that have problems and they're like little Christian hedgehogs where they're soft on the inside but they're spiky on the outside and these little Christian hedgehogs are running around with crucifix necklaces on but everybody doesn't want to be anywhere near them because they're spiky do you know the kind of people I mean have you ever been that kind of person me put it in the comments if you have been one of those hedgehog people because we all are guilty of it because our problems aren't ever as private as we think they are. But then Naaman's servant girl gets wind of Naaman's problem and says this to her mistress. If only my master would see the prophet who was in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. To get to the problem, we have to get round a servant. To get to the problem, we have to get to a servant. You see, there's a million people that would be just as impressive as Naaman. 
You see, there's millions of people that you can access on Instagram and all these different uh, sites where you go, that's an impressive person. There's, there's loads of people that have really great cars. There's loads of people that put on this persona that they have everything together. There's, there's loads of people that have full bank accounts and there's loads of people that seem to have the perfect home life. But the truth is this, we all need to find somebody who is a servant. Because when you get round a servant, they point out the problem. Because they've already figured out who they are in Jesus. And when they've already figured out who they are in Jesus, they're able to speak to the problem. You see, some of us have been looking to people who look like they've got it all together. We've been looking to people who seem to have it made up. Life is made up for them. They have loads of money. They seem to be doing really well. And we start to model ourselves on them when actually we'll never fix the problem. The people that we need to find are the servant girls. Jesus said, for it's the one who is the least among you who is the greatest. There's something about people who have learned the art of the lowly that reveals the wisdom of that which is holy. We say it again. There's something about people who have learned the art of the lowly that reveals the wisdom of that which is holy. You know those kind of people that kind of like float into the room? They're like discreet people. They know who they are and they just wander into the room and you just know that there's just something about those people. They might not drive the fast cars and they might not shout about how great they are and, and it might not be that obvious but they're just people that have learned the art of being a servant. Learn the art of being a servant in the house of God. Those people that come in to the room on a Sunday and just spot the new person in the room and just quietly come alongside them and help them figure out who they are. Those people that don't need to show you how much money they've got but choose to pay for a bunch of kids to go to youth camp. Do you know those kind of people that just know the idea Get, they understand what it means to be a servant. I want to put it to you to get today. We need to start sending our problems to the right place. We need to start sending our problems to servants who can help us understand what those problems are and how to fix them. You see, this is something that Naaman didn't understand and nor did the king of the day. You see, it says in verse 7, As soon as the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his robes and said, Am I God? Can I kill and bring back to life? Why does this fellow send someone to me to be cured of le his leprosy? See how he's trying to pick a quarrel with me? And when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his robes, he sent him this message. Why have you torn your robes? Have the man come to me and he will know that there is a prophet in Israel. I love this picture of, a, of the king in the day and Naaman and the king both had the same streak in them and we'll discover a little bit more of that in a second but he was tearing his hair out he was literally tearing his robes because he was like I can't fix this problem and Elisha with a twinkle in his eyes like send him to me send him to the right place you see the servant girl never sent Naaman to the king of Israel the servant girl sent Naaman to the man of God. You see, that he, that he needed to be found with where God was. He needed to be found where God was. 
Elisha, with a twinkle in his eye, says, send him to me because I understand the problem behind the problem. You see, he was presenting with one problem, but actually there was another problem beneath the surface. And it was this, that Naaman and the Naaman streak in all of us writes ourselves into the story as the hero. The king was writing himself in the story as a hero and going, I can't fix this problem. Naaman was trying to have it all together and just fix it in his own strength. But the truth is this, he wasn't ever going to be the hero in his own story. And I think sometimes we get so used to being the hero in our own story that we don't realise that actually God is always the hero in our own story. And it's him working it out through us. You see, we try and pick up our own bowl and our own, our own towel and we try and wash our own feet. <laughs> We're like, I'll, I'll just deal with this God. Let me just take my own shoes off. Two seconds. Let me just, sort, just let me sort my feet out and then I'll catch up with where you are. And God's like, no, let me wash your feet. Let me put this problem back into order for you. That is my job and not yours. And I believe today that there are some people in this room who have been desperately, desperately, desperately trying to clean their feet in their own way and through their own strength. And Jesus says to you today, whether you're in the room or you're at home right now, that God is saying over you, let me take care of your feet. Stop trying to do it in your own strength. I want to bend my knee, which is just mind-blowing, before you and take your dirty feet and clean them up and make them fresh and make them new. So let's see how the man of God deals with more than just the problem that meets the eye, with more than just the skin deep problem. It says this, so Naaman went with his horses and chariots and stopped at the door of Elisha's house. Elisha sent a messenger to say to him, go and wash yourself seven times in the Jordan and your flesh will be restored and you will be cleansed. But Naaman went away angry and said, I thought that he would surely come out and stand and call on the name of the Lord and wave his hand over the spot and cure me of my leprosy. Are not the rivers of Damascus better than all the waters of Israel? Couldn't I wash them and be cleansed? So he turned and went off in a rage. Uh, oh, anybody really like understanding the Naaman streak in you right now? Like every time I read this, I'm like, oh yeah, I've got to wait to go I'm just like Naaman couldn't couldn't he just come out and wave his hand over me you see Naaman was offended that the man of God that God didn't turn up in the way that he wanted him to he was like can't you just wave your hand over me you want me to wash where you want me to do what you want me to get in the porridge you want me to get in that dirty moment you want to get my, get my feet dirty you want me to get in that awful stinking water and the man of God's like I'm not even going to tell you myself I'm going to send out a servant because you need to understand the idea of being a servant in the house of God you see God deals with us in ways we don't always want him to deal with us and for us to understand that we're a servant he has to teach us what it looks like to be a servant so I ask you I ask myself today what is stopping you from getting your feet wet 
What is stopping you from getting your feet wet? Is it your comfort zone? The things that are comfortable to you? Is it your strengths and your abilities getting in the way? Because I could just probably handle this on my own, God. I could probably make this work. You know, I, you know, I have a, a good home life and stuff like that. I'll, I'll just scuttle through this thing. We'll work it out. Is it your strengths and your abilities? Is it convenience? It's actually really inconvenient for me to have to go to that river and wash. <laughs> it's really inconvenient for me to go that way. Is it your expectations on how God is going to move? What are the things today that are stopping you from getting your feet wet? You say, see, his real problem wasn't the leprosy. His real problem wasn't skin deep. His real problem was beneath the surface. His real problem was a heart issue. His real problem wasn't leprosy. It was the issue of pride. It was the issue of pride. Naaman was full of pride. The king was full of pride. And I put it to you today that behind all the reasons you're not getting your feet wet right now is pride. Comfort and convenience? Pride. Strengths and ability? Pride. Expectations and fears? Pride. All of those things get summed up in this one word and that is pride. Because we all have a name and streak in us. And we all have to handle our own pride because otherwise we make a God of that pride. And let's see uh, what happens. And in verse 3 it says this. Naaman's servants went to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? How much more then when he tells you, wash and be cleansed? So he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times as the man of God had told him. And his flesh was restored and he became clean like that of a young boy. Then Naaman and all of his attendants went back to the man of God. He stood before him and said, Now I know there is no God in all the world except in Israel. So please accept a gift from your servant the pride literally washes right out of him the pride literally washes straight out of him as he realizes okay it's taken one two three servants to teach me that actually all along the issues and my problem the problem that was skin deep was much more deeper than that and actually the solution to that is I need to become a servant I need to choose the fourth option when I humble myself myself before a good God I discover who I really am and I was a servant all along you see God wants to respond to the problems that are deeper than the skin deep ones Jesus wants to deal with the heart issues today he wants to get alongside our grubby feet he wants to pick up the towel and the bowl and come to our feet and wash the pride right out of us. Because that's who he is. You see, this isn't a lesson in how a man got what he wanted from God. This is a lesson in how God got to the heart 
of the man that he wanted. This isn't, a, this isn't a message of how somebody gets what they want, how, how they get the freedom that they want, how they get those uh, good things that they want. It's not a message of that today. It's a message of how God got to the heart of the man he desired. And we can be uh, comfortable today knowing that actually, even if you are coming to God full of pride today, he's not mad with you. He just madly desires you. He's not mad with you. He just madly desires you with all your stinky, dirty feet. Because he doesn't want to just deal with the skin deep problems. He wants to, to deal with the heart deep problems. He wants to teach us the art of being a servant. Freeing us up to choose the fourth option. So is it time to get your feet wet again? Is it time to get your feet wet again? And I think this is a message for all of us. It's a message for the whole church this morning. And uh, I wanted to make a nice soft response. But God asked me to give us a more challenging response. And it, I think sometimes when we make a physical response to a message... It doesn't do anything miraculous, but what it does do is when you're in a situation where you're pausing to choose the fourth option, you remember that moment where God said, no, you're no longer this, you are now this. And so I'm going to call for a response today. And whether you're at home or you are in the room today, this is the response we're going to do. I'm going to invite you just to come to the front this morning, just as you are and just slip your shoes off. And don't worry, I'm not gonna wash your feet. I draw the line at that. But I'm asking you to slip your shoes off, whether you're in your bedroom, in your kitchen at home, or whether you're here today. Slipping our shoes off, just saying, my feet are ready for you to do what you need to do to them, God, because I wanna be fit for your service. I want to be fit to be used by you. So if that's you, everybody stand to your feet right now. And if that's you this morning, why don't you just come and take some space down the front here right now. I'm going to take my shoes off so you will be joining me. But just make your way out of the rows. For from you are all things, and to you are all things, and you deserve the glory. I'm filling this middle part here. You're worthy of it all. You're worthy of it all. For from you are all
right now. I'm going to pray as a whole church community. God, we just say we're here for you, but you were already here for us. And we recognize, God, that we have a name and streak in us. And we might have to wrestle with that streak all our lives. But God, we will keep coming back to this place where we slip off our shoes and allow you, God, to deal with our feet. To deal with the habits we've picked up along the way. To deal with the places that we've tread that maybe have made our feet bruised and broken. To, to deal with the, the things that we've, we've been through, Lord God, that are stopping us from God choosing that fourth option. And God, we are so humbled by the fact that you choose to wash our feet. <laughs> that you choose to put your knees to the floor. Take hold of our mess. Take hold of all our quirks and all our weaknesses and all the other bits in between. And you start to wash the pride off us, the pride of comfort and convenience. You wash the pride of fear off us. You, you, you wash the pride of uh, God control off us. You, you wash God all these things off our feet and you make us fit and ready for a service of you, Lord Jesus. And today we renew our promise to you. The Bible calls it a covenant. We renew this covenant promise with you that we say we will serve you, God. As you have first served us, we will serve you in every workplace we step into. We will serve you in every family situation we're in. We will serve you in every bus route. We will serve you, God, on the road. We will serve you in the supermarket. We will serve you in the community. We will serve you on our great days and we will serve you on our worst days. We choose you above everything, Lord God. Come and have it, Lord God, as we sing that you are worthy of it all. 